Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast where we explore how assisted reproductive technology changes lives and our world. Sorry, I was waiting for you to interrupt me this time. Wait, Ellen, there? Ellen? I'm still here. No, I was patiently okay. letting you do the intro. All of the words in the all intro. Of the words in the right order. They kind of made sense. So oh, just, my goodness. All right. Nice well, fine. Okay. I'm, I'm Jennifer White. I'm going to keep going then. Um, and I own a surrogacy matching is it agency is it entity are we have we decided what these are now um and i am an organization an organization (laughs) and again terminology changes constantly right uh (laughs) i'm here with ellen trackman who is my sister and co-host yes yay welcome be here thank you Uh, welcome to you as well uh so question of the day what is the greatest disappointment or time that your expectations were not met do you have any good stories there I have an excellent one. And again, yeah. as we don't we don't hide that we're sisters, right? Oh no. Um, oh yeah. no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So when I was three years old, uh, my parents left and they came home and they had told me how exciting there was this gonna be this thing. It was gonna come home, it was gonna be great, <laughs> and I was gonna love it. I hope it's a puppy. <laughs> it, it was not a puppy. It was you. Oh, which point I told them that I didn't want it and that they should take it back. (laughs) Luckily, I did not end up as disappointed for the rest of my life. But that that never changed. That's pretty much been your your attitude for a while. Why did they not take this back? It's just one of those moments that I'm like, "Mm, yeah, no, this is not this. you, You built this up as this thing. And I. I, as a three-year-old, did not think that a sack of flour was really exciting, you know? <laughs> a crying one at that. I, exactly. Right? Exactly. What about you, though? Um, I mean, not as insulting to you, you know, but uh, <laughs> I remember um, being, I think I wasn't that young, but I was a kid, and they talked about how we were going to go see the petrified forest and whereas Ooh. the wood had turned to rock and it became petrified. And I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. And we go, and I'm expecting this like full standing forest, forest. Of, yeah. of you know trees that turn to rock. No, it's a desert, and like scattered in the desert are these like old pieces of like f- trees that have fallen that are like rock. Yeah. I guess oh, I did not meet expectations at all. That was incredibly disappointing. I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyone who's going to the petrified forest, uh, maybe look up some pictures first before you get um, too excited. Right. No. Sorry, petrified uh, forest. Yeah, I know. But you know what? There's other things you can do that you can go walk around and see. So a big thing that we just want to talk about really quickly before we dive into today is um, the Walk of Hope. And we as our organization actually participate in the Walk of Hope. And there's coming up this coming weekend. And we would love it if people would either financially support the Walk of Hope or Resolve. Uh, We have a team if somebody wants to virtually be part of our team uh, called Yes don't we we do admit we like we like humor yeah, uh, it's called fe- fetal attraction uh, so please so look clever. for the colorado i know look for the colorado walk of hope team and join uh, fetal attraction if you would like to come out and join us um but in general they're all over the country there are walk of hopes everywhere uh, spread out throughout the year and it's a really important organization to be part of 
and, and it kind of goes straight into what our interview is, is that and, this is what Even if do. you didn't join, even if you didn't register, you can still show up. So the Colorado one is June 29th. I think it starts around 9, 9.30 in the morning. And you can just come to, to the activity and the event. It's a one-mile walk, so you don't need to train. Um, I mean, I've been training by not I, doing things. I know. Um, I know you have. Yeah, <laughs> no one wins, but um, it's great to. Support no, everyone. Everyone wins. Everyone wins. Yeah, everyone wins. Other it. way around. That's true. Yeah, everyone, everyone wins, wins if you show up but because this is about getting out there and talking to people and yeah. giving hope to so many others. And uh, our interview today, I mean, kind of just as a spoiler alert for everybody, you probably will need some tissues. It's a hard um, one. Mm-hmm. It, this is a tough one. Um, it could, especially if there's people out there who, have, I mean, a lot of people who listen to this have experienced a lot of loss, but this can be, a, could be very triggering for a lot of people. Um, just so you, everybody is warned. Um, but at the end, I, I have to say there was hope. And this is, again, tying the background. This is why we walk because there, there is hope for, for everyone in this. So please listen to us talk to Ursula. Welcome Ursula McFadden to the show. Ursula, thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here. And before you start your story, I want everyone to look around you, find a box of tissues, and correct. Maybe hydrate first too, because I feel like yes. Um, Ursula has such an incredible story. She's such a, so I, I just met her a few months ago at a, maybe less than that at a conference and such an amazing, sweet, bubbly personality. So beautiful. And she just shared this amazing story with me, which where I was sobbing and I, I felt, um, I was grateful that she was willing to, to share it with the world as well. So Ursula, do you want to start by giving a little background about yourself and, where you grew up and what you were doing before you decided to be a gestational carrier? Sure. Yeah. Um, I am from Fresno, California, and um, I've been married for almost 14 years. I have a 13-year-old son, and um, I used to work for a financial advisor for 11 years, and um, just in in the midst of, you know, raising my toddler at the time. Um, I, I just really wanted to be a surrogate. I'm an only child. My son is an only child and, um, I didn't want any more children, but I loved being pregnant. So I always proposed the idea to my husband. Yeah. And, and what did he think? <laughs> he was like, nope. <laughs> so about maybe once a year, I kind of like put a little bug in his ear, like, Hey, remember this thing I want to do? And um, eventually he was like, so you're not going to give this up, are you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so he's like, okay. So he gave me the thumbs up. And obviously uh, he. I think that's, yeah. that's hilarious. I have to tell you, we hear this pattern where, you know, oh, there yeah. is this, this fear around the world that like um, women who do this are being exploited and pressured into it. But I feel like everyone's story is like, I really want to do this. And I had to like tell the people around me like 20 times uh-huh. until they're like, okay, fine. Okay, right? fine. Until they like, shout it from the rooftops like, until they would it. hear me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I was so excited. I remember the exact day that I um, started applying and I, you know, was one of those really naive surrogates who didn't do like a ton of research at first. Um, I had a friend who was a surrogate. That's how I, you know, had that inkling. And, um, I applied with like 20 different agencies. It was in November. Oh, wow. It was in November of wow. 2010. And um, I'm, you know, a hard match, um, you know. And so it took about 
four months for me to um, get matched. And what what makes what makes you a hard match? Um, I won't terminate or selectively reduce, mm-hmm. and um, so just in general, that makes you a hard match. Sure. And mm-hmm. um, so four months later, found um, a couple, and I was like so excited, and I was very yeah. transparent about my my whole journey. Like I had posted on Facebook that you know the day I applied, and um, you know I was just always giving people updates. Um, I had a very uneventful pregnancy. It was, I was matched with a couple in Japan and they, um, didn't want contact with me until I was three months along in case something happened. And I, I didn't know that wasn't normal. Did you meet them and everything like that? I had a really weird first experience. Um, yeah, my agency, at the time and is no longer in existence because they did some pretty shady things. Um, and no. <laughs> to say the least, which we have, which we have another podcast. Yeah. Channel, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I had a very uneventful pregnancy. I eventually, um, would email them once a week updates. And then at three months, they would start emailing me back. It was very irregular, maybe like twice a month. Oh. And it was through a translator. Um, so nine months comes along, I had hired a a doula and, um, it was Valentine's day, 2015. And I dropped, I dropped my son off at school and, um, I came home and I took a nap because I'm nine months pregnant as, as 39 weeks. (laughs) And then I remember just waking up from my nap in a jolt, like I, I sat straight up and I'm like, I don't think I felt her move today. And I just like, you know, my heart was all beating fast. So I, I immediately called my doula and I'm like, hey, am I, I mean, am I freaking out over nothing? What do I do? She's like, well, it's Valentine's Day. You have some chocolate, right? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, eat some chocolate, drink some ice cold water and start getting ready. If by the time you finish getting ready, she still hasn't moved, I'm going to meet you at triage. I'm like, okay. So um, she still wow. hadn't moved. And um, did you call the agency or the I, I, parents? I did on the, the on the way uh, as I, I was leaving. I um, t- actually texted my case manager and I said, hey, you know, I'm probably overreacting, um, but I hadn't felt the baby move today. So I'm just going to head to the hospital just in case I'll keep you updated. He's like, OK, let me know. Um, and I'm, I'm in my head thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, you know, waste all this parent's money on going to this, you know, hospital visit. It's going to be unnecessary. And I was feeling guilty. And um, so I went there and I had also, um, you know, let my husband know. My husband's a high school math teacher. I text him to give him, him an update. I let my mom know. And she's like, um, do you want me to meet you there? And I'm like, oh no, it's fine. I'll be in and out. And Thankfully, my mom did not listen to me and she met me there anyway. Um, So I went to um, triage and in there, they don't have the ultrasound, they have the Doppler. And, you know, towards the end of your pregnancy, um, you just put that Doppler on there. You hear that heartbeat right away because it's the baby so big. Um, yeah, and he right. was just like looking around and looking around. And so at this time, like I knew and I was like bawling. Oh, and um, oh, no. the parents had 
sent me a audio recording of their voices speaking in Japanese, and I would play that recording over my stomach every evening so that the baby would know their voices when she was born. And um, every time I played that, she would move. So my mom's like, play the recording for her. So I took out the recording and I placed it on my belly and I played it and she didn't move. And um, then the, um, I don't know, nurse guy, he um, was like, oh, he found the heartbeat. And it, it was really faint. And it ended up being my heartbeat that he found. And um, so. I, oh, my goodness. Um, right. but, for, but for a moment, you thought. You, it was, you know, it was like okay. false hope. And oh. I'm like, really? Um, so he's like, you know, I think my machine is broken. We're going to take you to an ultrasound room. So um, they moved. At this point, my mom, like, told my husband to. Um, you know, find somebody to come to his class to come. And um, they moved me to an ultrasound room. And um, at this point, I've seen, you know, a million ultrasounds. So that, you know, on the ultrasound, you could see the little flicker of the heartbeat. And when they did the ultrasound, it was just still like a picture. And so, um, like, the ultrasound tech can't say anything. Like, the doctor has to tell you. So I had to, you know wait right. for you know an hour or something for that doctor to to finally come and, and tell me um so I couldn't call my um case manager because I was like bawling so um I don't remember if I texted him or if I had my husband call him but they said um okay that they would have a representative from the agency go to the parents hotel because literally the day before on February this is February 14th on February 13th mom and her niece flew in from japan and they were in los angeles oh my god oh no and um so he said he was going to send an agency rep to the um hotel to tell them in person um at this point um doctor comes in gives confirmation and um we have to decide what we're going to do um birthing wise so um i have to say this part completely breaks my heart that these that this is the situation. These are your options. Mm-hmm. So what did, so tell, tell us what were, what were the options? Yeah. So, um, first they, they had to do blood work on me to make sure that baby wasn't causing me any harm to become septic or anything. Um, so it, it was actually a few hours that we had to wait for those results. Um, but my choices were to be induced, um, to have a C-section or to let my body naturally go into labor, which I didn't even know was an option if the baby right. was deceased. But I, I guess it is. And they um, said that that could, if you just waited, that's likely what would happen. Uh huh. Wow. So um, I decided to wait till my blood tests were clear, which they were, and um, the pair or my IM because the IF wasn't there at the time. Um, she was going to drive to Fresno and come the next morning. So I thought that the least I could do is to have her be there for the birth of her baby. So um, I got sent home that evening and that was a really long evening just without sleep, knowing that I had, you know, a not alive baby inside of me. Um, oh, I can't even imagine that night. That's... Yeah, it was a very long night of tears and praying and it was really hard. So the next morning, uh, the plan was to meet at my OB's office um, at nine o'clock in the morning. 
And, and was this this is the first time you met her? Yes. At this point, we had never met in person. Oh, and wow. um, translator was there, mom was there, and her niece was there. Um, so we saw each other in the parking lot and, you know, obviously immediately knew who each other were. And um, the IM and I just embraced for five minutes and just cried with each other. And oh um, it was the first thing she told me through the translator was, I know this is not your fault. I don't blame you for this which was a huge relief because, I mean, like in my, in my head, I know that it's not my fault. Like there's nothing I could do, but I just still yeah. felt tremendous guilt. Like she got, yeah. she came so far, like 39 weeks, three days. Right. And, and, for this and had happen, you been like, had you been analyzing like every, oh, absolutely. Move, every food, everything? You're just like, what could this be? Yeah. So, um, we then the doctor said he was going to start planning. Well, let me let me go backwards a little bit. So we go into the um, OB's office and um, we discuss our options and we decide to um, be induced that day. Um, and then in the office there was a picture of um, cherry blossoms and it's February, so this time of year um, there are cherry blossoms all over town. So. Um, they hadn't named the baby yet, and they decided that her name would be Sakura, which is cherry blossom. And um, so that was decided in the in the OB's office. And um, the doctor said that you know once the baby is born, they're going to do a bunch of tests to see you know like what happened. Um, so I got induced in around noon that day. This was on February fifteenth. 2012. And um, I ended up having her at 10, 10 p.m. And she was six pounds, 15 ounces. And um, I remember the doctor asked if he could put her on my stomach after, right after she was born. And I said no, because I was just like, I don't know. I was just afraid. I I didn't, I didn't, I had so many feelings. And, um, but mom, what was that, what was that delivery like? Cause I mean, delivery is so hard anyway. So I went into this wanting to have a completely natural delivery and I, um, started out that way and obviously, you know, labor is very painful and when you're, and when you're induced and and induced labor is even more painful. Yeah. So. Uh, at some point, I think it was probably around 8 p.m., I finally asked for an epidural. I was talking to my doula, and I'm like, you know, uh, the, the reason that I wanted to do a natural birth was, you know, to, one, prove to myself that I could do it, and two, um, you know, just so that the baby wouldn't have any medication in her system or whatever. Um, but I now, you know, baby is deceased. Like, there's, there's no real reason for me to necessarily have an natural birth so I ended up getting an epidural um I um I don't regret that at all um and in in the delivery room it was me and my husband and my doula and the translator and the IM and her niece and generally at this hospital like that that many people are not allowed to in a delivery room but 
my OB and the hospital were very, very accommodating because of the, the situation. They had like a sign on the front door, like to um, be respectful. And yeah. it was hard. Wow. Do you know what the sign um, said? It, it, it had like a, a flower on it or something. Like where it was like a code that everybody knew. Oh. Um, oh, wow. The one thing it. I do remember about delivery that was hard was I kept hearing Babies' cries um, as they were being born, and I oh. knew that because other people are delivering right, around. Right. And I knew Ugh. that she wasn't going to cry; she was going to be born silent. Um, so she was. She was born silent, and um, she was six pounds fifteen ounces, and she was beautiful. And it was weird at first because she just looked like a normal little baby as soon as she was born. Um, and and she was very obviously the reason for demise was her umbilical cord was knotted and tied around her neck. Oh. So there was no need for further testing. So um, going back to what you said, um, you know, was I questioning things? My grandma always told me, like, never lift your arms above your head during pregnancy. You'll tie, you'll, you know, wrap the umbilical cord oh, around the neck. So I'm like, did I, uh, did I lift my arms oh, above my head? Like, you know, I'm just thinking of all oh. these things. And um, the doctor kept reassuring me, like, there's nothing you could have done. I I distinctly remember the very last time I felt her move. And it was a weird movement. And I will always wonder if that was the moment that she died. I was, it was a, oh. a Sunday night. And I um, was laying on the couch watching Downton Abbey. And um, she did like a weird spazzy kind of shaky movement and I thought oh well, that was interesting I've never felt that before and um so that will always that will always stick with me and he had my OB reassured me like even if you would have came in right as soon as you felt that there's nothing that we could have done so um I you know you always just second guess yourself and think you know was it my fault that you in my head, I know that it's not, but you just, I felt so bad because right. nobody ever goes to surrogacy first. And, you know, this, this mom had so many losses of her own and to get so close and then to not have your baby. I had already been so obviously emotionally guarded by the fact that they didn't even want to speak to you until three right. months because exactly. they were terrified too. Exactly. So I don't know if it was a cultural thing. Um, or if it was her personality, but mom was genuinely happy to to just meet her baby and see what she looked like. She was smiling a lot, um, and she um, held her. She she bathed her. She put a diaper on her. She dressed her. She oh cut God, her fingernails. She took a lock of her hair. Um, and she treated her just like she was any newborn baby. Um, she roomed with us for 24 hours. And so it was hard to see her, I guess, slowly deteriorate over that 24 hours because by the end, the baby's lips were black. And um, there's an amazing organization in Fresno um, called Angel Babies of Heinz Hospice. And um, the, the hospital automatically you know, asks us if we want their support. And so I, you know, I said, yes. And so baby sends a representative and they, um, 
gave us both, which I thought was very considerate, they gave us both teddy bears. So, um, you know, so that you wouldn't have empty arms, so you have something to hold. And then they give you uh, blankets that were handmade and um, pillows that are handmade. And um, then you can put baby's um, uh, footprint and handprints on the pillows and blankets. So I still actually have those. And they gave um, a set to me and a set to um, her parents. Um, they also gave the, the, the mom um, like a pearl bracelet with um, like a pink little charm on it. And it was a matching bracelet for Sakura. And so um, there's also another amazing organization called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, which does bereavement photography. And they came to our room and um, they took uh, pictures. And so I have this beautiful picture of um, Sakura's hand um, on her mom's hand, and they're both wearing their matching bracelets. And in the picture, you can't you can't tell, you know, she's deceased. It's just their hands, and her little hand looks all pink. Um, yeah. And so that picture picture is always really special. And they also took a, um, a picture of her little feet that I have. And um, so those, those organizations were so tremendously helpful. Um, they also provided um, peer group support um, and also... Um, a couple of free therapy sessions with a psychologist in the in the peer support groups. Oh. I I kind of felt like I didn't belong at first. Like I didn't deserve to grieve because she wasn't my baby. Um, but they accepted me, and they're like, you know, even though she wasn't your baby, you carried her for nine months, and you still had a Ross. And um, they were very accepting, and it was. Encouraging to be around um, other people who, um, went, who also you know had stillbirths and, and miscarriages and infant loss, and because nobody understands what you're going through other than and those people. Um, so, Angel Babies is amazing. Now, away me down to sleep is amazing, and um, so after that 24 hours, yeah. um, the hospital took baby back, um, you know, so that she can get sent to be cremated. And um, so mom stayed in town for a couple weeks for that process. And um, one thing I didn't know until until this happened was that um, she wasn't going to get going to get a birth certificate because you don't get a birth certificate unless you take a breath. And she never took a breath. Oh, so oh, wow. I, the, the hospital gave us like a, I don't, I don't know, like a certificate that we could kind of fill out on our own for a birth certificate. Um, but I, I thought that was sad that she wasn't going to get a birth yeah. certificate. Um, Mom was dealing with some health issues and um, she was... Separate, separately. Separately, um, in, in addition to grieving. And so she stayed in her hotel most of the time um her niece did you did you see her there or did she kind of want to be on her own uh no. over that two weeks mm-hmm. um she kind of wanted to be on her own um but i did see her niece and her niece would you know came over to my house and um we spent time together and um she spoke english so we didn't need to translate her um 
anyway, it was hard to obviously get out all of my feelings because I didn't really know what I was feeling. People were always, you know, come yeah. to surrogates like, oh, you're going to be so sad after the birth of your surrogate baby because you have to give a baby away. And you're like, okay, it's not my baby. I'm not giving it away. I'm giving it back. Um, so, so it was hard because people thought I was like depressed about, you know, the surrogacy, but it was just like grieving over death. And, um, I remember one time, it was probably like three days after I got back from the hospital and I was just in bed crying and my husband walked in and he said, I would understand if you would want to do this again. And, um, that was really special to me because, you know, in the beginning he wasn't, um, supportive of, you know, me wanting to be a surrogate until I harassed him about it. And then he was great throughout the pregnancy and everything. So for him to say he would support me again throughout another journey was very meaningful. Wow. Uh, I can yeah. see that, especially because he could easily be like, look, I warned right. you. Right. This is, this wasn't a good idea. But instead, right. He really wasn't, I told you so. He was, yeah, that's incredible. Right. So, um, so that meant a lot to me. And of course I did want to, to do it again. Um, because you know, the whole point of being a surrogate is to help a family grow. And I, and I got so close, but I didn't, I didn't accomplish that. And I have to go back because something that you're missing through this and like, obviously I'm hypersensitive about this part is where was your agency see through all this? Yes. So, um, they sent me flowers and that was about it. So like I said before, the agency was, um, super shady so they ended up getting shut down. And, and when I was nine months pregnant, this is when um, oh, wow. I was still okay. pregnant. I heard, I heard um, about the owners, you know, getting arrested and, and um, being on trial for baby selling oh in Ukraine. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. And the agency, my case manager didn't tell me about it. I had to find out on the news. Of course not. So I reached out <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And so I, I reached out and I was like, oh my gosh, is this going to affect my journey? And then I'm like, are, you know, am I going to, are the parents going to get their baby? Like right. all this stuff is happening. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. You had to hear that way. It's fine. Everything's going to be fine. And um, so I was already, you know, on edge about the agency at this time. And um, they didn't provide any, you know, psychological support afterwards nothing was offered to me they just sent me flowers and that was it so wow. I did they, I had to find they my check in on you yeah. yeah did they check in on you and see how you were doing at least no oh my god oh. Mm. But, and when you wanted to do it again did you go back to the same place no because they were shut down yeah so um yeah so definitely a, a very very easy pregnancy throughout a very oh, I would say horrible surrogacy introduction um right. and um I'm very thankful that I I've, I met a lot of amazing surrogates um locally throughout the way who were able to support me and um help me process everything Good. Uh, so after that um we ended up um spreading her ashes locally um the IM said that she wanted to spread her ashes here because this is where she grew up. Mm. And um, 
she took a little tiny vial of her ashes home and she, she wore them in a necklace um, around her neck. Um, we ended up having our, our last dinner, our goodbye, at a restaurant called Sakura Chaya. So there was like um, a local restaurant with her namesake. And um, that was the last time I ever saw them. Um, I Angel Babies uh, has a, a walk every year. And so we walk for, for Sakura every year, have a team Sakura. Um, that very first year, we raised over $1,500 for the organization. And um, oh, wow. they, you know, we had t-shirts made and I had a, a, a huge team that came to, you know, support, support us. And um, we, when you raise that much money, they um, put a, a memorial brick on this pathway and um, they mailed me like a, a miniature version of the memorial brick, which had her name on it and her birthday. And so I ended up putting up a, a care package together with that little memorial brick, um, a t-shirt that said Team Sakura, and it, it, and on the back it, it has her birthday and it says um, Always in Our Hearts and it has a cherry blossom on it. And um, then a picture of the team and just a couple of other, you know, keepsakes. And I mailed it to my IPs and they were very thankful. And um, they sent me, they're a Buddhist. And they sent me a, a picture of, I guess, like a shrine that they have for her. And it had all the um, memorabilia on there and the pictures from oh, that wow. now I lay me down to sleep took and um, the stuff that Angel Babies gave them. And so that was special to see, you know, their, their way of grieving. Um, I kept in touch. Are you still involved? Oh, sorry. Are you still involved in that organization? Yes. Do you still do we the just, walk? I do. I just did it last month. Yeah. Oh, it just last I was going to say, we could have linked to your yeah. team. Yeah. Well, I say we, I'm, we're so oh, happy okay. to do that. We'll throw the yeah, link exactly. on for the <laughs> website amazing. in case anyone wants to, to help to or donate, support yeah. that organization. It sounds like it's oh, yeah, incredibly meaningful. Um, so, uh, I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, so you, kept, <laughs> you said you kept in contact with the Oh, okay. So I kept in contact for about a year, year and a half. And then um, their niece, who speaks English, um, at one point when I reached out, um, she emailed me and said, basically, the parents um, didn't want me to contact them anymore because they were trying to move on. And when they heard from me, it made them sad. And I understood that. It was hard. hard, Very hard. And I will always wonder if they got their baby, if they proceeded with another surrogate. Yeah. I I don't know. And you just don't know. Wow. I don't know. So I respected them and I, I never contacted them again. So I hope that they have found peace. Um, but after that, I did want to, you know, have another journey. So um, I signed with a different agency, a reputable one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that I've had friends go through. And um, Wait, to be to be fair, the one that had where there was the the lawyer that got arrested, the agency itself was very well known, and she was well known, and right, you know, I don't. I mean, if you had done like all that research, you, you know, still you right? wouldn't have known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I I signed with a different agency, and then um, this time it took eight months to get matched, and I ended up matching with a Chinese couple who lived in Canada, and um, we had. 
a transfer in 2013. I think it was January 2013. So um, 11 months after my delivery of Sakura. And um, it was a failed transfer. Mom was using her age. She was in her late 40s. Um, oh, her late 40s. Yeah. Got it. And um, she was, you know, determined to use her eggs, um, which, you know, I'll, I'll, I will respect that. And she said that the egg retrieval was very painful. And she asked for a couple months to recover before she did another egg retrieval. And I said, oh, yeah, sure, of course. And then a couple months later, um, still no egg retrieval. And then she said, oh, we're going to travel to China for the summer. Um, I'll do the egg retrieval when I get back. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so. And you're just waiting. I'm just waiting. And then um, summer, you know, comes and goes and still no egg retrieval. Um, at this point, a year later, my agency approaches me and says, we would encourage you to walk away from this match because there's no movement and we yeah. don't want to keep you waiting. So that's did. hard for an agency to do, I have to say. Like, you don't right. ever want to break a match. You know, that's not what the point is of any of this. Exactly. So, I, you know, at this point, I'm like, well, yeah, my, my uterus isn't getting any younger. So it was very amicable. Were they? Go ahead. Were they still saying like, oh, we're going to do it, like, hold on? Yeah, they kept saying, they hold on. Not... But when I yeah. um, let my attorney know for, you know, the termination of the contract, um, then at that point, the intended parents said, okay, yeah, we probably won't proceed after all. I'm like, well, that would have been nice to know a year <laughs> like, ago. That would have been nice to know a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So wow. at that point, with two not great experiences in surrogacy, I was like... <sighs> Do I, do I still proceed? Do I still um, right. And so uh, I ended up, so at this point I had used two different agencies and um, I ended up meeting um, a couple online through um, my friend Janae's organization, All Things Surrogacy. And um, I met, um, and I talked to them and they said I can use their name. So I talked to my aunt Samantha and she is in Arizona. And so we, um, I was very, very forthcoming about my story because I know, you know, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow and um, that that mm-hmm, could, yeah. you know, potentially be the, a huge deterrent for an intended parent. So um, after I shared my story, she's like, no, I'm, you know, that was totally not your fault. And um, she's like, we, we also have a difficult story. And so they, she shared with me that, you know, they're both, in wheelchairs and um they actually adopted their first son and they had uh, a horrible experience with their adoption agency and so they would prefer not to use the surrogacy agency and so we ended up um being independent um so we you know obviously still used contracts two layers you know all did everything got screened and the clinic the psych exam all that stuff um but we just didn't have an agency um, I went into this very naively. I've learned so much throughout my years in the surrogacy world. Mm-hmm. And I, the intended parents wanted twins and so they wanted to transfer two. And I was like, oh, that would be cool to carry twins. I'll, I'll transfer oh, two embryos. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, you know, the RE, the reproductive endocrinologist was, um, you know, like, hey, I want to let you know about all these increased risks if we would do this and I'm like oh yeah I'm fine that's nothing nothing's gonna happen it'll be great 
And um, <sighs> so I got pregnant with twins first first transfer, and um, Jay. it it went pretty smoothly until third trimester. So at 28, 28. Oh no. And I'm sure you started yeah. having a little bit of PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I actually got um, a Doppler and like that for a home Doppler. And I was just like addicted oh. to that Doppler. And I'm like, okay, here's oh. the heartbeat. Here's the other heartbeat. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're still alive. And then, yes. and then I had right. horrible, horrible morning sickness, but it was like, I wanted the morning sickness because then I knew that they were okay. Like that, that I was, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was addicted to my Doppler, and um, I, you know, would share that with the parents. And uh, Angel Babies actually provided um, a group for subsequent uh, subsequent pregnancies after a loss. And so oh, it's wow. okay. it's very encouraging to 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 know that you're not the only, I guess, crazy one because. Your, your thoughts yeah. turn morbid after that. Like, and I would see a pregnant lady and I'd be like, oh, I wonder right. if their baby's going to survive. And, you know, no, people don't think like that. But after you've had a yeah. loss like that, those, those thoughts go through your head. Yeah. So at this um, subsequent pregnancy support group, you can, you know, express those concerns and like, I wonder if I'm going to have another stillbirth. Um, and, and am I going to make it to this next appointment? It's the next ultrasound. Um, nothing, there's going to be no heartbeat. Like you just have all of these thoughts throughout the whole process. Was your OB really sensitive about that too? And, and helpful? Oh, about yeah. that? So my OB was amazing. Dr. Thomas. And, um, he, we, because we shared that experience of, um, the stillbirth, um, that he was amazing and we you know got close after that and I had this huge you know trust in him and um he shared his you know personal cell phone number he called me after uh, a couple days after the birth just to check on me he shared his phone number with the parents wow. like he was very went above and beyond um so I definitely um wanted him for this next pregnancy but he didn't accept my surrogacy insurance at the time. So I had a different OB. Oh, no. Um, and actually, at I was having a, a bad experience with the my new OB because um, I wanted to try to veep. Uh, no, no, no. This was, this was my third pregnancy. Never mind. <laughs> I'm getting my... I'm getting my... <laughs> so um, I had um wanted to have the vaginal birth with the twins and um my OB at the time said that it was automatic c-section um I did not want to have a c-section and the parents um allowed me and they were great um to switch health insurance so that I could have Dr. Thomas as my OB again oh wow and so they were very amazing and so I did. I switched to Dr. Thomas right at 28 weeks when I started having my issues. So he's probably like, thanks, Ursula. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I had never had Braxton Hicks before with, with um, my son or with Sakura. And I started having you know Braxton Hicks. And um, at 32 weeks one day, I um, was throwing up and I had back pain. And my son would just got over the flu. And I was like, you know, I wonder if I have the flu. I've always heard that, you know, pregnant women should be careful about the flu because you can get dehydrated. Um, 
I'll call my, I'll call my OB. And so um, I said, hey, you know, I think I might have the flu. What, what should I do? These are my symptoms. And he's like, go, go get checked just in case. So um, I was driving my son to my parents' house to drop him off so I can go to um, the hospital. And on the drive over, I started having contractions. Oh, like um, bad contractions. And so I was like, oh my gosh. So by the time I got to my parents' house, it was about 20, 25 minutes away. Um, I told my mom, I'm like, I can't, I can't drive myself to the hospital anymore. You have to drive me. So I left my, my son with my dad and my mom drove me to the hospital. Um, she dropped me off so she can go park the car. I went to the, um, I don't know, it was like the fourth floor or something where, um, maternity is. And, I was like, I'm, I, I'm in labor <laughs> and they gave me yeah. all this paperwork and they're like, fill out this paperwork. And uh, I'm like, you're like, like no, you don't understand. I said, you fill out the paperwork. I was like, I'm wow. going to, I was like, I'm going to throw up right now. So they gave me like one of those blue bags and, um, they took me to the back and then, um, finally it subsided. I, I don't know. It was just like super intense for a while and it subsided. And then I was able to fill out their stupid paperwork. And then this is the point where my my mom um, came in because she had parked the car. And then they took me back and checked me. And I was three centimeters. And they're like, you're in labor. We're going to admit you. So I was only 32 weeks one day. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like calling the mom and letting her know. And um, so they ended up, uh, they were trying to give me, I forget, the medication. They're trying to give me a medication. I think it might have been. To brutaling, um, that horse to pill. stop, to stop. trying to stop the labor. Yeah, right. So they couldn't give it to me because my um, heart rate was too fast, and um, so then they ended up um, admitted me, and then they put me on mag, the magnesium sulfate, yeah. and yeah. I hated mag. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, everybody who's been on it hates it. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm actually an exception. They warned oh, me about it. Oh, and I you was liked like, it? I, yeah, I was like, I feel fine. Oh, I wasn't. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm definitely the exception. <laughs> so I had a 10-day hospital stay, and this was during flu season. So my son at the time was too young. Um, he wasn't, you know, over 12, oh. so I couldn't see him for those 10 days. Um, I had an amazing, really amazing support system who, um, like, my parents took my son to school every day and, um, you know, made him dinner. And uh, it was just, I had, I have an, I still have an amazing support system. Um, my boss at the time was super um, accommodating, and I ended up missing five months of, of work because um, oh, wow. I, at that, that was January 29th that I was admitted and I didn't end up going back till May 5th. Um, oh. yeah. So um, I was discharged because they were able to stop the labor after 10 days. And I was sent home on strict bed rest and um, like super strict bed rest where I had- Right, and you're like, mom, can you move in please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like where yeah. I had one of those old people toilets next to the couch, <laughs> like that, wow. like that, that hardcore. Um, and I was extremely swollen. Um, I have a picture of my feet before delivery and after delivery, and it just doesn't even oh. look like the same person. Um, 
Oh, send oh us those gosh, pictures. We'll post <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty gross. My, my son, because um, I have pretty tiny feet, and my son, even to this day, probably a couple months ago, he's like, remember when you had disgusting feet? <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, but it was so bad that I even had stretch marks on my toes. It was like, the, the, the oh, I did wow. it um, so I had to keep taking medicine, my fetopine, until I was 35 weeks. And then after 35 weeks, I was like allowed to have the twins. So I, I didn't have to take the medicine anymore. Um, so 36 weeks, five days, or 36 weeks, I was actively like trying to get them out. Like, cause I was just done. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Right. Yeah. Like I am done yeah, with I'm, you. I'm five three <laughs> and I'm gi- I was ginormous. And my mom said, um, but it looked like I had one of those exercise balls under my shirt because it was just like boom round. <laughs> it was just out there. Wow. Um, so 36 weeks, five days. Finally went in to get checked because I thought maybe I had um, a leak. And um, so I ended up having a C-section, unfortunately, because Max, baby A, oh. was um, butt down. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, was very, um, communicative with the parents and, um, so they were driving over from Arizona and unfortunately they missed the birth. Um, but, oh. uh, and, and then I was all like shaky from my, um, my C-section meds cause I had never had a C-section before and I was, yeah, so I couldn't um, take care of the baby. So they were. Uh, seven pounds four ounces and five pounds nine ounces at 36 weeks five days wow and um I didn't realize that I essentially was holding my breath throughout that whole pregnancy because as soon as I heard Max's cry it was like 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 I sighed and it was like a huge relief like oh my gosh he's actually here I did it he's he's here (laughs) and I remember yeah I I remember his cry I'll never forget his cry and um so that was amazing and so um I had my doula and my husband in the OR with me and so each of them took care of one baby while I was recovering and then um because it was getting late my husband still had to go teach the next day so um my mom oh, came and relieved my husband. And so she took care of one of the babies and my doula was taking care of the other baby. And then the parents got there about three o'clock in the morning. And um, it was just amazing to see them with their babies. And I'm like, I did it. <laughs> like, this is, this is it. Yeah, this is yeah. what I wanted all along. Yeah. 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 It was amazing. Was, and did you get to be there when they met their babies for the first time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the room? Okay. Uh-huh, yeah. So the, the parents came, because the babies were in my in my room the whole time. Until okay, in with you. There. Okay. The, the parents requested that. Like, they're like, they, they want um, them to be with somebody they know. <laughs> yes, um, So my IPs were amazing, and I have this great picture of us. Um, they're you know, both in their wheelchairs holding a baby and I'm I'm standing in between them and the smiles on their faces are just like per- perfection. And so I actually have a, a picture of that above my desk at work now. Um, and 
yeah, so it's amazing. And uh, my mom and I drove to Arizona um, when the babies were four months old to go visit them. And um, then I flew there for their first birthday party. And they're four, they're four now. Um, they always invite me to their birthday parties. Um, you know, life is chaotic. So I, I haven't actually seen them in person since um, the first birthday. But like I'm, I'm friends with mom on social media. We text all the time. She sends me pictures. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm super involved still. Um, and I love I love when those relationships develop yeah. so tight. And we're we. I, I just I had. Yesterday, I had coffee with a previous gestational carrier, and her parents were in China, and they want her to come out for an all-expense-paid trip to, to oh, China wow. for the baby's for the baby's first birthday. Which I was like, "Wow, that's so amazing! <laughs> that is amazing. That's amazing." Uh, I mean, no, no one expect that. No one oh, expect yeah. that. Certainly, yeah, not. no, that's, that's <laughs> not. Yeah, but um, you meant you mentioned the picture over your desk at work. What's your work now? Yes, I am a case manager for Kindred Surrogacy um, because I, you know, I'm done being a surrogate myself, um, but I did not want to leave the surrogacy world. It's a beautiful world. I've met so many amazing people and um, it was a way for me to keep my toe in the waters of surrogacy without keeping on getting pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, what amazing advice and support you can give to others because you know all of it inside and out and can just really provide amazing insight and yeah, so with all of my with all of my three services, I mean I've just gone through so much and I've been there done that and so yeah, that is something that I'm very grateful for experiences that I can share and help others and um. So after I had the twins, actually, it was probably only a few months after I had them. My um, my husband was in Bible study with this guy, and he's like, hey, I have some friends who are interested in surrogacy. Can they call Ursula? And my husband's like, oh, yeah, Ursula loves to talk about surrogacy. So, um, you know, this, um, oh, well, you know what? Let me go backwards just a second to the twins. Sorry. please. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, another sad component to my journeys. Last April, um, the twins' dad, Matt, actually passed away. Oh, wow. He, um, you know, was a paraplegic, and he had um, a sore from his wheelchair, and he became septic, and um, there were no antibiotics that could um, fix it, and he passed away. And it was totally sudden and um my I am at the time she had just had spinal surgery and so she was living with her mom and the kids were there too because uh, mom was taking care of her um during that recovery process so um Matt was at home um you know taking care of himself and Matt's dad came to check on him and he noticed something was off and like he had a, a fever and um, he essentially forced Matt to go to the hospital and thankfully, you know, he went to the hospital and they, you know, they did all that they could, but they couldn't save him. So um, that's something that my IM and the, and the twins and their brother are, are still dealing with. And they just celebrated the, the one year anniversary of, of his death in, in eight, at the end of April. Um, and so my IM said, um, 
I can't remember the exact wording, but essentially along the lines of they, they released balloons for dad. And Max said, um, hi, dad. Bye, dad. I'll see you later. And she said it was like the, the sweetest and most heartbreaking thing ever. And um, I just feel so horrible that they're not going to grow up with her daddy. But they do, she also has an amazing, amazing family that um, is very, very supportive. And her mom um, ended up moving in with her and um, is help, helping um, take care of the kids. And she has amazing siblings and um, a great support system. Uh, I just text with her a couple of days ago and they're going to be coming to California soon. So I might actually be seeing them in the next week or two. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, oh, that's exciting. But back to third couple. <laughs> so I ended up talking to this um, dad for probably about two hours over the phone. And at this point I'm like, I'm, I'm not having any more. I'm not, I'm done with surrogacy because the twin pregnancy was really hard. So uh, at the end of the conversation, he was like, um, what would you consider being our surrogate? And I said, no. <laughs> I was like, but I will, I will help you find a surrogate, though. I have a lot of friends who are surrogates. Um, so I, I tried um, for a few months to to find them a surrogate with with um, no success. And long story, long story short, two years later, I had his baby. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this couple, uh, they're local, and um, they live about 10, 15 minutes away from me, and um, so I get to see them all the time. Um, and I was going to try to be back um, for this birth um, at 37 weeks, one day. I was very swollen again, but my blood pressure was fine, so I was not preeclamptic, but Dr. Um, said, um, oh, by the way, Dr. Thomas was overseas doing some like volunteer work. So I was super mad that he wasn't there. <laughs> but um, the on call doctor. <laughs> he do volunteer. Like, you for going to do I something really good for other people. Yeah. Personal phone <laughs> and he didn't reply to me. And then later on, he's like, yeah, I got your text when I was like flying over Moscow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I was heading towards becoming a risk of becoming preeclamptic, even though my blood test was fine. I did have a little bit of protein in my urine and I was swollen. So um, the on-call doctor at the time said, you're going to deliver today. And I, I was like, oh, okay. So, oh, okay. <laughs> all right then. So, you know, they, they put me in a, a gown and um, put an IV in me and everything. And then there was a shift change. And then the new on-call doctor said, I'm sending you home. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that was like a oh, huge, wow. uh, you know, huge 360 there. Shift, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so my doula was like, okay, that's super conflicting information. So my I am my IPs and I talked and um I asked them what their input was. And they said that they would feel more comfortable if I had a C-section. Um just to make sure that everything was okay, that I was okay and the baby was okay. And although I really wanted to be back, I knew that this is not about my birth. This is about them having a healthy baby. And if something ended up happening to, the, happening to their baby because I wanted to have my birth, I would never forgive myself. So 
I ended up having um, a C-section that day. And thankfully I did because even at 37 weeks one day, Caleb was nine pounds, one ounce. Whoa. And Ooh. if I would have tried to be back him at 40 weeks, he would have been 11 pounds and I would have had to have a construction anyway. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. So um, I ended up um, nursing him in the, in the hospital at the IP's request for three days. And then I pumped for him for a year. And oh, wow. um, so then they would come over every other day for milk pickup. And um, so I got to see him, you know, grow up um throughout that that year and um my my reasons for pumping people were always like why would you pump for a baby that's not yours and I had a couple of different reasons for for wanting to pump um I had never pumped before I I couldn't breastfeed my son for medical reasons Sakura was stillborn the twins went straight to formula and so it's kind of proving myself to myself that I could do it um, and then I knew going into this that it was going to be my last journey. So it was a way of extending my final journey. Um, so I pumped for him for a year. And it's a great thing for the child. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and I, I pumped for two weeks or two months after that for the um, Prolacta Bioscience, the milk bank. And then I had always told myself as soon as I didn't want to pump anymore, I wouldn't. So at, at 14 months, I was like, yeah, I'm done. I want I want my body back. <laughs> so so I, um, I, I was done. So at that point, um, it was when I ended up going full-time um, with kindred surrogacy. And um, I could not be happier to, you know, share my experiences of, of loss and joy and, and just everything in between. Um, I, I, when I went to interview for um, Kindred, my boss, at the end of the interview, she said, you know, I feel like I was just interviewed <laughs> because I asked her so uh, many questions and I'm like, you were interviewed. I wanted to make sure she was ethical and doing things on the up and up and she, yeah. she is and she's um, done a great thing. Um, her um, business partner is actually her previous IM. And um, oh, so, um, you know, yeah. all of us there have been surrogates, and then um, we have an intended parent um, as a co-owner. And I that's that's so great because often agencies are from one side or the other, and right. that really kind of has this full balance. That's, right. So we have that that whole spectrum, and we only work with um, surrogates who are located here in the Central Valley, so that we could um, meet everybody in person and provide um, one-on-one support. And we, you know, offer support groups every month and, um, you know, we're readily available and I am so happy to be a part of Kindred and I'm excited to see us grow. We've been around for two years and... Congratulations. And you just changed no, office we, buildings, right? You just did a ribbon cutting. Did. Congratulations on that. We did. We just had a ribbon cutting uh, on April 30th because um, we had an office um, located in Fresno and now we're officially in Clovis, which is in Fresno County. But Clovis. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, super fancy and you guys had to stop by and say hi. <laughs> Next time, yeah. next time we're in town. Yes, for sure. We would love that. Uh, well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you sharing your your story, despite how personal your it is, how story. heartbreaking yeah. it is. But I, I hope that someone else can listen and really feel understood and, and know they're not alone.
Thank you, Ursula, for sharing such a um, heartbreaking and heartwarming story and for, for sharing something that was so personal with everyone. I think it's really helpful to hear not just the good stories, but the really hard ones too, because yeah. just statistically, it's a reality that so many people through this situation as well. Yeah. And you're not alone. I mean, it's what it is, is there's always somebody out there who has unfortunately experienced what you are going through and it, it's hard. And we want to make sure people, people hear that. And again, this is why we support things like the walk of hope, because there's so many people out there that I've also gone through these experiences. So we, we want to make sure that, that everybody has an opportunity to come together and talk about that and have that sense of community and, and, and feel it all together. So please join us. If you can't join us, you know, look up at our team online or give us a call. Like we always ask at 303-997-1903. You, not as much with the Walk of Hope, but you could also leave us a review because that makes us feel like you're part of our community and you know another, that, way, to, love. another way to support others <laughs> yeah, right um but as always huge thank you to chris at work at bird studios and amanda and Lindsay in our on our team who take really excellent care of us and make us uh seem much more awesome than we are so thank you thank guys you. and thank you all for listening 